Happy New Year's, y'all. This is the first episode of 2023. I am super excited to be back, feeling energized for the year ahead, excited to do a lot of amazing things with y'all, with the Femme Cyclist community. And I'm starting that off today by doing something a little bit different. This episode is going to be answering some of the questions that you all have sent me. Um, these are questions that I've either gotten asked frequently recently or that I, you know, I posted in on our Instagram stories and asked you all to send questions. So we've got some questions and answers about bike shorts, about gear, about winter cycling, about fueling and supplements and nutrition. So hopefully even if you weren't one of the ladies asking these questions, hopefully you'll hear one and it'll be something that you've wondered about too and you'll get something out of this episode. It's all coming up right after this intro. You're listening to the Femme Cyclist Podcast, and I'm your host, Kristen Bonkowski. Like most of you, I'm a bicycle-obsessed rider and sometimes racer. Each week, I'll bring you interviews from inspiring women and offer tips and tricks to help you thrive on the bike. At Femme Cyclist, we celebrate all forms of riding and all forms of women. So whether you're a road racer, bike commuter, or hardcore shredder, you'll find your community here. Okay, the first question you all sent me is, Bibs, are there potty-friendly styles? How do they work? Bib shorts are one of those things that you either hate or you love. And I think the best way to find out if you're going to hate or love them is just to jump in and give it a try if you haven't already. And if you're like me, you might find that you like them in some situations and you dislike them in other situations. Now, the thing that's really great about bibs is that they're just really comfortable. Um, You don't end up having any kind of elastic at the waist to dig in. You don't end up having your shorts slide down and your jersey slide up and end up with that little crack in between the two that unattractive plumber's crack gap. You might find that you try bibs and that's all you wear in the future. Problem with bibs that keep folks from wanting to use them are that it is challenging to go to the bathroom with them. And if you're a woman, this is an even bigger problem than it is for men. So the question was, are there potty friendly styles? Yes, there are. If you were concerned about using the bathroom while wearing a pair of bibs, then you want to look for a pair that has a design that makes it reasonably easy to get them on and off without taking all of your upper body layers off to taking your jersey off. So there are some designs that are a halter and those ones I actually really like. You can just slip it over the front of your head, pull it down, pull back up, uh, take some effort, but it's doable. There are also ones where the straps have a snap or buckle that you can undo. There are some that are designed to be really stretchy in the back where you can pull it down. Those are called the drop tail and you just kind of pull it down and go potty without taking the straps off. I think in all of these situations, all of these styles, it does take a bit of effort and it's significantly easier if you are in a nice, clean, private bathroom. So I like to personally wear bibs on rides where I know it's going to be two hours or so and the chances of me having to stop for a bathroom break are low. 
Or I know that I'm going to have nice, clean, public restroom stops on the ride. So if I know I'm stopping for lunch somewhere in between, I'm going to stop at a coffee shop. I just know that there are other places with restrooms that I'm familiar with along the way. And I'm going to be able to go into a nice, clean bathroom stall and go to the bathroom. Then bibs are a really great choice. When I choose not to wear bibs are on mountain bike rides on more like remote areas on really long rides where I know they're not going to have a lot of bathroom good clean bathroom stops in those cases I don't want to have to deal with being off the side of the road off the side of the trail in a bush and like halfway undressing myself so for me whether or not I want to wear bibs is very situational I have girlfriends that wear bibs 100% of the time. I have girlfriends that wear bibs 0% of the time. So this is truly one of those instances that I think you just got to give it a go. Try it out. If you are worried about using the potty with it, then look for a design that um, makes that a little bit easier. One last note on this topic, there is also a device called a pee style, and it is a little funnel that allows women to pee standing up. So bib shorts are much easier for men. They just kind of pull down the front of the bibs, whip it out, and pee. A pee style allows you to do this same thing. I have never tried one. I have heard good things from some women that they like it and it allows them to stand peeing up just pull down the front of your bibs. Um, If that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, that's called the P style. It's not going to be for everyone, but it is worth mentioning. The next question is, what is the best way to find a saddle that fits you? I would say step number one is to get your set bones measured. And the easiest way to do this is to go to a local bike shop that does bike fittings and have them, they have a special little tool to measure your set bones. That's the easiest way to do it, but it's not the only way to do it. If you want to measure them at home, you can try this also. There are lots of different techniques. The one that I have found to work best is to put tin foil like on carpeted stairs and then you lift your legs so that all your weight gets put on your set bones and then you stand up and get out your measuring tape and in millimeters you measure the distance between the two points that are indented on the tin foil. Um, there are other things that people recommend. Other people have used corrugated cardboard for me that's never worked very well but some people swear by it Uh, if you have a some piece of memory foam sitting around memory foam works really well for this too Um, I've heard of people using play-doh with saran wrap over it basically anything where you can make an impression of your butt and you'll end up with two little points where your sit bones ended up you measure that, and that is your the width of your sit bones. And then you're going to compare that to width size for saddles. So you're probably going to want a saddle that's just a little bit wider than your sit bones, like 20 to 25 millimeters. But this will give you a really good place to start in terms of understanding what width of saddle you want. 
And then there are other things that you know you want to consider when buying a saddle in terms of how soft or hard the saddle is. If you have soft tissue um, discomfort, you might want a saddle that has a cutout in the middle to help deal with that. If you end up with chafing between your legs, you might want to look with a nose that's a little bit narrower. Your riding style is also going to make a difference. If you're riding really aggressively and you're tilted forward, you would want a narrower saddle. If you are doing like bike packing, bike touring, things where you're sitting up in a more comfortable upright position on the bike for a lot of hours, you want a wider saddle that really supports your sit bones in that situation. So there are lots of things to consider, but if you're starting from square one, the most important thing is to go ahead and measure your sit bones. Um, if you have it in your budget, go and get a bike fit because they'll measure your sit bones but they'll also look at your position on the bike and your fore aft position the tilt of the saddle they might be able to give you ideas on a saddle that would work better for your position on the bike and then in terms of you know just trying lots of saddles is really the best way and that's not easy because saddles are expensive Um, some bike shops do have a loaner program where you can try out couple different ones and that is so awesome. I've found that those are generally women-owned bike shops or bike shops with female managers and they really understand the need of women to try saddles before buying. If you're lucky enough to have a bike shop like that, that's awesome. Take advantage of it. Try all the saddles. If you don't have a rad bike shop around you offering that, um, I like, you know, asking in local cycling Facebook groups with women. If you have a women's cycling club nearby you, ask for recommendations from the women and see if they're willing to let you try their saddle for a couple days. If not, I'm a big proponent of ordering a new saddle from somewhere where it's going to be easy to return and they allow you to try it out. A lot of brands do that. Terry is one where they allow you 30 days to try out the saddle and if it doesn't work for you send it back and try something else. Trial and error is just huge. We do on the Fem Cyclist website have a list of saddles that tend to be the ones that women we hear that they love time after time after time but everybody is different. Um, The saddle that I love best I know that other women that I ride with do not like. So it's a good place to start is to get those recommendations, but then try some different saddles. Find out the width that you need, and that that's the best place to start. Next question is, what are the best brands for size inclusivity? And this is such a good question. I love this question. Um, easiest answer is Machines for Freedom. I think they are doing an amazing job of size inclusivity. They have very diverse models. They show their products on all kinds of different bodies and I love that. I think that if you just want to support a brand that's doing good things, Machines for Freedoms is an obvious answer. We've had the founder Jen Kriske on the podcast before. She's fabulous And it's a women-owned business. Strongly, strongly recommend Machines for Freedom. Other brands that do a good job, one of them is Terry. Um, Terry makes women-specific cycling clothing. It's another brand I love for women. The only problem with Terry is that they only have a few of their styles, not all of their styles in plus sizes. And I think that's kind of a bummer when you – read about a product and then go and see that it only goes up to an extra large, for instance. But 
On the positive side, Terry does have a page on their website specifically for plus size clothing. So you can go there and find out um, what is available. And those plus size clothes come in sizes 1X to 3X. And they're good products, what they do have. Terry also just does a good job of addressing anybody who might be a little bit outside of the norm. Stacy, who is one of our product testers, just did a review on the Terry Cool, cool Weather Bike Tight. And she ordered it in the petite length because she's got shorter legs. But they also have those tights in a tall version. So if you you know generally struggle to find tights that are the right length, for instance, Terry can be a good option. Velocio, I think that's how it's pronounced, is a luxury cycling apparel brand. They make really high quality stuff and they have a wide range of extended sizing all the way up to a triple XL. They're not cheap, but if you want a good pair of shorts, that's a great brand. If you are plus sized, Fat Lad or Lass at the Back is a great brand that is specifically focused on plus-sized riders. So you're not an afterthought. You are the entire point, and they make really high-quality gear that we've heard um, recommended a lot by – if you are on more of a budget, there's a brand called Bayleaf that sells on Amazon, and they are not the same high quality as Machines for Freedom, for instance, but they come in every size from extra small to triple XL. Um, They make padded bike shorts, they make bike tights, they make jerseys, they make um, a pair of padded chamois underwear that I really like. Um, So if you're on a budget, Bayleaf is one to check out. And then Finally, um, for mountain biking, I love Shredley. They come in sizes for all kinds of women. They have a curvy style that has a yoga waistband that I absolutely love. And all of their styles come in sizes 0 to 24. So no matter your size, you'll probably be able to find a pair of shorts that fits you really well. Anyway, I'm sure there are lots more brands out there that I'm missing, but those are some of the ones that I've tested and tried and heard really good things from our community about. The next question is, what are good vitamins and supplements for women who are 35 and over? What should they be taking to sustain their cycling? And I gotta say, I am not an expert in this. This, What a great question. I would love to get somebody on the show that is an expert, and I will work on that. Um, In the meantime, let me just answer with my experience. I think... You know, the ideal situation always, whether we're talking about cycling or just life in general, is that you are eating a really good diet and that you're getting all the things, all the vitamins, all the macro and micronutrients that you need through your diet. That said, we all know that that's not always possible, that we're not always getting everything we need. Um, So I think the most important thing is to find a doctor you really trust that's willing to spend the time to work with you. And have them test you. See what if you're deficient in anything. Um, For me, I am deficient in vitamin D. Every single time I get tested, I'm deficient in vitamin D. And I feel so much better when I'm on a vitamin D supplement. Um, Women who are athletes tend to have low iron levels. So that's something to get tested. Go to your doctor. Have them test you. See what you need to supplement with where you're deficient, and that will make a huge 
difference in your overall vitality and well-being as well as your performance on the bike. The other thing that I sometimes supplement with is whey protein. Um, If we know, I've been talking in the podcast a lot lately about the importance of building your muscle mass as you get older. If you're over 35, you're already starting to lose muscle mass. So we need to be in the gym, strength training, and we need to be eating a lot of protein to help fuel that muscle mass. I struggle with getting enough protein. I know a lot of women do. If that's you, then sometimes supplementing with whey protein can be a good option. I love making smoothies and adding whey protein to my smoothies. That's a really um, good way for me to refuel when I get home from a ride. Super important if you've done a big ride, big workout, that you're refueling within 30 minutes of your ride and you're getting protein in. So whey protein can be a good supplement for that. Finally, so many of us suffer from knee pain on the bike and supplements specific to our joints um, can be something important for women over 35. Fish oil, that's, that's kind of a good thing to supplement no matter your age. But as you end up with joint issues, fish oil becomes increasingly important. And also glucosamine. I know a lot of women, my mom, for instance, who have had really great outcomes from using glucosamine um, to help with knee pain. I would say, again, find a doctor, maybe a functional medicine doctor, somebody to work with you on these supplements. Supplementing vitamins and other things can cause harm, so you want to make sure that you're, you're actually deficient in these things and that... Um, you're working with a doctor or professional to make sure you're supplementing with the correct things. And I will see if I can find a doctor or somebody to come on to talk to us um, about vitamins and supplements for those of us who are above 35 and who maybe need a little extra help to keep us cycling for a long time to come. Okay, our last two questions are both specific to biking in the winter. It's winter time right now, so I think that's high on your minds. And the first question was, what are your tips for staying warm, but also not overheating while fat fat biking? Toes especially. Um, I did do an episode back in November. It is called Tips to Help Keep You Biking Through the Winter. So go back and listen to that episode. I gave a lot of advice in there on getting dressed. But as it relates specifically to fat biking, I'd say the number one thing is just layering and spending the time to take off layers and put layers back on. So um, for your first layer, I always really like merino. You want something that's not going to get wet because once you get wet and cold, um, game over, right? So merino is good for staying warm, wicking sweat away from your body. Anything that's good at wicking sweat away from your body would make a ideal base layer. On top of that, it really depends on how cold it is, how many layers you want to wear. But I would say put a frame bag on your fat bike so you can stuff um, layers in there when you're not using them. If you don't have a frame bag, take a hydration pack or a backpack, whatever you need to just make sure that you're layering and that you are taking layers on and off during your ride. There's no scenario in which you're going to be climbing and working hard and wearing the same outfit you're going to wear for the downhill. It just doesn't happen that way. It's a lot colder going downhill. And when you're 
pedaling hard in the snow, you're going to warm up a lot. So layer, layer, layer. And spend the time. It's a pain to have to stop all the time and take a layer off and then put it back on. And that's just part of fat biking. It's a lot slower than what we're doing in the summer. And you just have to embrace and accept that you're going to be going slowly and you take the time to address your body heat before it becomes an issue. And then you asked about toes. And I get that toes are something that people just struggle with so much in the cold. Um, For fat biking, Getting a pair of winter-specific cycling boots is the biggest game changer. They are expensive, but they work. There are folks that do those crazy, you know, I did a bike across Alaska. They have on nice warm boots and they work. Lake makes some great ones. There are quite a few out there, but um, fat bike-specific winter boots help a lot. If you don't want to invest in fat bike specific boots, put on a good pair of flats like the race face chesters on your bike and wear a pair of winter boots that lace up. You need to have, you know, some ankle control in them still. I have a pair of Gore-Tex Vans boots that I like using and with a good pair of wool socks, those do a really great job of keeping your feet warm. Um, If you still struggle, you can invest in electric toe warmers. You can use some of those chemical toe warmers inside your boots. You're just going to have to size up a little bit to make sure that you have room in there. Our final question for today is somebody asking, what is the difference between riding a fat bike versus a regular mountain bike with studded tires? Is one better than the other for winter riding? Which terrain is best for each type? And if the ground is hard but there is no snow, can studded tires be ridden? So the answer is yes, there is different terrain that's best for each type. So a fat bike is great for riding in deep snow where with a regular size mountain bike tire, you are going to sink down into that snow and not get anywhere. Fat bikes have these nice, fat, high volume tires that can be ridden at a very low pressure and allows you to kind of float over the top of the snow so you want to use these like on nordic trails for instance where if you're riding a normal mountain bike with a regular size tire you would just sink down you would leave a rut in the nordic trail the skiers would hate you um anytime they're riding on single track that with deep snow where you just wouldn't make any progress on a regular mountain bike with regular sized tires that's when you want a fat bike Um, now studded tires are great on ice so fat bikes are for snow studded tires are for ice so if you are riding trails where maybe you've just gotten a little bit of snow but now it's like really packed down and it's gotten icy You're not worried about sinking in the snow. You're worried about sliding out. Studded tires are great for that. Studded tires are great for riding around town when it's really icy. Studded tires are great for riding across lakes. In a lot of the northern areas like Minnesota and Ontario, folks really enjoy riding across these frozen lakes and studded tires work well there. And there's also a hybrid, right, where you can get studded fat tires. So if you're going to be riding a combination of both deep snow and ice, then you would want a studded fat tire. Um, The last part of your question was, if the ground is hard but there's no snow, can studded tires be ridden? The answer is yes. 
Um, you don't necessarily want to be riding studded tires if there's no ice to be worried about, right? Like you added studs to your tires, it's adding weight to your tires and your rotational weight. And rotational weight matters a lot more than other types of weight on your bike. So it's going to slow you down. But if you are riding where the ground is like frozen, but then you're having patches of ice, then studded tires in those scenarios are a really great choice. Did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell your favorite female riding partners about us. It helps us get the word out about the Fem Cyclist podcast, grow our community, and reach more rad women like yourself. Thanks for listening, and until next time, happy riding.